Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. You almost made it all the way through. It was pretty close. That was fine. You, you had a stutter step. And I'll have to check the tapes. We'll say there was a stutter there. All right. <laughs> but fine. anyway, we won't make you re-record it. So back from Tampa. I was trying to put a little energy into it, which I don't normally do. Well, you're, I'm going to have to get you more your coffee started earlier in the day. And I'll, it's kind of like you peak early and then go down. Well, I'm, I'm useless in the afternoons. I'll be the first to tell you. I, if, if you want me at my best, you want me at 10 a.m. Between, between 9.30 and 10 a.m., that's... No, but that's, that's the top of the... So, so your employer pays you for thirty minutes a day. Is that the plan? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just saying, like you know, and then it and then it slowly tapers off in both directions from there. So by the time we get to five thirty in the afternoon, I'm spent. Okay, well let's light a cigar and see if we can light you back up. I have something special. I brought All right. back from Tampa. I love it when you do this. Yeah. So went to I was in Tampa for the Tampa Cigar Bash this weekend. Had a great time. Great event, good people, amazing cigars. I mean, just the whole shooting match. But one of the first things I noticed, and after we light our cigars, I'll get into this, um, was I walked up and the La Polina guy said, I've got something special to show you. And I said, okay, well, it's the La Polina Family Series, and this is the Little Bill. The box is actually a humidor. It's a box of 10, and he cut me a deal on it. It's a torpedo... And it's a four and a half by 52, which normally would exclude me from smoking this cigar. Mm-hmm. But because the fact that there was only 24 boxes to be had anywhere and they happened to be at the Tampa Cigar Festival where I was, I decided I'd give it a shot. Very cool. I've, I've seen this before. I've never had one before. Well, I'm very excited. I smoked one when I first got back. The timing on it was about right. I mean, it was about the the length of a Toro. Okay. I've probably smoked more short cigars in the last 10 days than I have in the previous 364. But what's nice about that is that you get to, I mean, especially when you're down at an event like that, it means you get to experience more of it. So whereas you're typically a two cigar a day max guy, if you cut the cigars in half, you you know, compared to what you normally smoke, that gives you the ability to try four different things. Well, you know, when we got down, well, let me finish describing the cigar. And I'll say, No, I want to talk about your trip. <laughs> well, we'll get back to it. <laughs> so the blend is a mix of Nicaraguan, Lajero, and Honduran fillers, Ecuadorian Habano binder, and the wrapper leaf is an Ecuadorian Corojo 98. I'm stopping you. I just noticed that. Oh, the new lighter? That is cool. Yeah. I have. Look at that. That is. Gorgeous. Yeah. Can you I believe, love the motif on that. Can you believe that was the freebie in our swag bag? I can. And it, my wife and I both got one. It was the freebie. It's because it's it's plastic. So I kind of I can I can see that, but holy cow, that is cool. And it's Trinidad branded, so that explains it looks like the box. Right. It's yeah. the it's the same color motif as the, the new Trinidad. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I'll also after we light our cigars, I'll tell you the story of my new cutter. All right. At all, but look it, at you all kinds of swagged up. Oh man, we we had such a good time. We got so many cigars. I didn't realize. I thought that the festival cigar deals would be kind of commensurate to what it is when you go to an event. Blows it out of the water. Yeah, 
I mean, the, the so is that the thing? I mean, is it like a cigar event where you can buy boxes or singles? So I mean, you've got some freebies as well, right? Yeah, everybody on Facebook seen the picture of the swag bag. That was one of our swags, and it had about sixty cigars in it. So I know you did this because I, I know you well enough. What is what ticket compared to swag? What was your cost per stick? I didn't break it down. That surprises me about you. I, I would have thought for sure you would have broken that down. But I guarantee you the cost of the ticket was so far less than the amount of cigars I got. It was well worth it. We're both lighting our cigar at the same time. Well, Are you aware of that? I got distracted by your lighter. Um, <laughs> no, I think... <laughs> squirrel. <laughs> but yeah, cause, well, because the other thing is it's not just about the cigars that you get out of it or the bag or the you know, cutter and lighter, it's it's about the experience as well. And, you know, you come away with a box of, you know, super rare and exclusive little bills. Yeah, so I ended up buying, um, I bought a box of the La Polinas, I bought a box of Brick House, and you'll see I have a new Zycar mm-hmm. T1 cutter. Is that the T1? What are those called? No, it's XI2. XI2 cutter. And, all. and it's Brick House logo and branded. And basically we were there and the Brick House guy, um, I said, you know, I really like Brickhouse. I really like that cutter. He said, well, the cutter's free with a box, cutter in an ashtray. And my wife stepped into her negotiation skills and says, we're flying. We can't take the ashtray back. Can we have two cutters? So basically, I bought two cutters and got a free box of Brickhouse. Nice. <laughs> is really what it comes <laughs> yeah. down to. Because the prices, you know, those are $60, $70 cutters mm-hmm. each at all. So it really worked out, and we both got new cutters as part of the deal, too. But... Really interesting because it was... Did he not question you on the fact that it was going to be harder to get the cutters back than the ashtray? <laughs> That's the beauty of my wife. When she when she makes statements like that, all the guys are kind of googly-eyed and just do whatever she tells them. Whatever she, works. She ha- she has that ability. It, it's worked on me for years. I don't <laughs> know why. I can't I can't criticize guys who fall victim to, the, to her feminine wiles because I have for over 20 years. But anyway... So, it was very, um, the cool part was they were selling cigars, but they were not pushing cigars. You know, everybody was there. Um, so, the Rocky Patel booth, we had pictures with Nish was there, and we got to talk to him and Heath and everybody. And then Alejandro Toledo, who was on the show, he mm-hmm. recognized me, and we were over there at the Caldwell booth with him and talking to him, which was a lot of fun. Um, but nobody was pushing. Yeah. Everybody was just, here's our cigars. Here's what they look like. Here's, you know, what we do. I had the chance to buy a box of the new CAO Orlano, Orenos, which we'll talk about later in the show, but I couldn't smoke one. So I can't buy a box of cigars if I haven't already smoked one. Right. I mean, it just... That I, is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I just, I can't bring myself to do it. And that was one of the things at the show is that there was so many cigars there and you could get a great deal, but you're like... I haven't ever tried this cigar. Right. <laughs> what, was it only by the box, or could you have done singles, too? No, it was either boxes or five packs was all they had. Gotcha. There wasn't really single sales going on. Um, the people at Southern Draw, I got the Rose of Sharon Desert Rose, which is amazing. Um, and the people at Southern Draw, Robert and his wife were there that own it, and they were the nicest people ever, took care of us. Yeah, I've heard that about them. Yeah, just a, an outstanding time. But now the... One of the most fun parts of the trip was we landed Friday morning about 8.30, and we drove straight to Ybor City because we couldn't go to our hotel till 3. Right. 
drove straight to Ybor City, sat down, had a breakfast at a little Cuban place, and then just started walking up the road. Ybor City is cigar smoker's paradise. Mm. Um, you regret that you can only eat, drink, and smoke so much while you're there. Yeah. And I was one Cuban coffee away from jogging back to Nashville rather than flying. Especially for someone who doesn't drink coffee. That's yeah. saying a lot. Well, but it's kind of hard when you go in there and they got the torcadors. They're rolling the cigars fresh, and they got the lady back there grinding the beans and mm-hmm. making the Cuban coffee, which is just espresso and steamed milk is the, the cafe con leche. Um, and a lot of sugar. So it's hard not the, to... The sugar is the important part. That's what makes it Cuban. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's hard not to go back there and just get one of those and a cigar. And so we spent... I would just go into a shop, pick up a Robusto, go sit out front, smoke my Robusto, drink my coffee, go two doors up to the next shop, rinse and repeat. Did that till about 2 o'clock that day, and then we went to the aquarium. But um, Ybor City is amazing. It looks like you guys had a very fun time. The vibe there is, you know, there was nobody walking down the street going, (laughs) I would say cigar smoking walking up and down the street was about 78% of people walking up and down the street was holding a cigar. (laughs) So so there was nobody complaining about that at all. But just a, a beautiful, beautiful time, beautiful place, great time of year to go down there. I'll definitely go back to Tampa Cigar Bash next year. I mean, it could just become an annual thing for me. The only difference is I'll try to make two or three days to go to Ebor City beforehand so that I can try, because all I got to eat was the Italian and the Cuban food. I want to try the Greek and the Irish yeah. and the, you know. Yeah, because it's a true melting pot down there. I mean, it's you can you can find a little bit of whatever you're looking for. It was pretty amazing, but okay. Let's talk about a little cigar news. All right, so uh, tonight's show, we've got a couple of company... Uh, Shakeups. Uh, we've got two or three stories of, of things where, you know, we had the guest on last week, which was a lot of fun. So some of our content's been stacking up for a few weeks, um, but we want to talk about you know the Altria and that Sherman deal, uh, the Room One Hundred and One La Polina deal, and also uh, some news out of Drew Estate. Um, and we've got a couple of other stories. We've got a Churchill story coming up tonight. I mean, we've got a tons of content to back into what's barely left of our show. <laughs> Well, I spent a lot of time talking about how much I love Tampa. But, okay, let's go ahead. Do you want to start with La Polina and Room 101? Yeah, as long as we're smoking La Polinas, let's go ahead and hit that. This comes to us from Aficionado, although I've seen it reported on all of the major websites. Um, basically, so La Polina is not taking over 101 in terms of acquiring it. They're just going to be handling distribution going forward. Uh, so this is the farce, the doomsayer, the big payback. Big payback is probably the most popular out of the Room 101 line. Um, it's Matt Booth. Yeah, Matt Booth. He's leaving Caldwell. Um, you know, he was Caldwell was doing all their distribution, distribution, and he's decided to switch to La Polina, which kind of makes sense to me because if you think about in terms of the Caldwell profile and the La Polina profile, I feel like. Matt Booth fits closer to the La Polina profile than the Caldwell. I disagree. Um, I don't really have a reason for that. But Caldwell strikes me as a little bit more bad boy of the industry. Matt Booth certainly fits that profile. And I don't mean to the extent of like a Drew Estate, but it's very much a carve-your-own-path kind of... Wait, no, that's 
crowned heads. That's crowned heads. Yeah. But they're, they're very much a carve out a niche for yourself kind of uh, brand. And I, I, I thought they worked well together. Um, although I do think that Matt Booth stuff does tend to be a little overpriced. And I've always, and until becoming a bit more familiar with it, I always thought Caldwell stuff was overpriced too. So um, those, I thought they fit together for that reason as well. Now, like I said, I've come around to the air of my ways since then. But um, I, I do think this is a good pairing if you. The problem is, I just don't see what Room 101 really doing much. No, it kind of is just static. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder what's in it for La Polina. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get the the dynamics of it. I don't know why. I don't know why Matt Booth is a star. It's not like he's a great blender, or it's just a personality. Yeah, and and not the kind of personality that I typically want to associate with. If I'm perfectly honest, and you know, I was trying to dance around it a little bit, but I'm not a fan of Matt Booth. I don't like uh, the, the, the egotism um, that, that surrounds his brand and the jewelry and that sort of thing. It just doesn't fit. It's not for me, and that's fine. If it is for you, that's fine too. Um, so, that, you know, I, but they're not innovating. They're not doing anything crazy with cigars. They're, they're making the same cigars over and over. They're not really doing anything different. So I just, I, I don't see why what benefit changing distributors is going to have to the brand. It could be regional. I'd be interested to know if regionally, if you live in a region where, La, where um, Room 101 is just the top of the heap and is just killing it, Facebook us. I get the impression Room 101 would be good in New Jersey. Yeah, I, w- I would like to say, I'd li- if you're living somewhere where they're just killing it, please let me know because I, I, that's got to be it. It's got to be something regional. Yeah, it has to be. And uh, they must have a stronghold somewhere. But, okay, let's move on to the next qu- next thing of his. Um, Fabian Ziegler is oh, leaving sa- Drew Estate. You're saving the big one for last. I like that. Okay. Well, you were so negative about poor Matt Booth, I thought we would say something nice about somebody before we go to Nat Sherman. And you chose this story? <laughs> we were both just talking off the air about how not big of fans we are. But anyway, okay. So i got to put on my happy hat now. But, uh, you know, I was speaking with pulling the show over. I was speaking with a listener this morning who's wanting to start his own podcast, not about cigars, about other stuff. And I said, radio and podcasting has taught me it's so easy to complain about everything, but it's work to be happy and bring joy to people's lives. It is. So get to work, and let's say something nice about Fabian leaving Drew Estate, and then we'll talk about the bad stuff. So... (laughs) (laughs) How how was that? (laughs) Fair enough. So um, you guys may recognize the name Fabian or Dirty Fabian as he's been known. He's been with Drew Estate for the better part of a decade, hasn't it been? Uh, no, 20 years. Better part of two decades, right? Better part of two decades. We'll fix that in post. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, this is surprising to me because Fabian's personality fits with the Drew Estate brand so stinking perfectly. Fabian is a larger than life character. That's one of the things you got to Much say. Much like about Jonathan. Yeah, but Fabian turns it off. You know, he can turn it off. You can tell Jonathan Drew, I don't think, turns it off. I think when Jonathan Drew That's wakes funny up in the morning. Because I feel the opposite. See, I don't I've noticed I've known Fabian to turn it off. I've seen him out at the barn smokers and things like that. And see, when I've seen him at the barn smoker, he is always on. Right. But then if you see him when the microphones die down and he's off on his own, he just he calms down. Hmm. 
but I feel like JD's. So I take back on. what I didn't say about him. Now. Okay. <laughs> but um, interesting guy. It's interesting how many of these, you know, um, recently the artist Jesse, is it Jesse Flores for Drew Estate, their primary artist, he left to go mm-hmm. pursue other interests. And now Fabian, I'm starting to wonder if we're starting to see of this little sw- little bit of this Swisher Sweet influence creeping I, I, into our Drew Estate. I, I was actually just about to say, let's take a little bit of conspiracy theory corner, new segment. Uh, that's exactly what I think it is. I think that's Swisher tightening the grip a little bit. Well, and, yeah. I have absolutely nothing to substantiate that. Um, th- those opinions are reflective of my own and not in any way endorsed by the Cigar Cast or its affiliates. <laughs> you, were you not complaining about disclaimers right before the right before the mics went hot tonight? Yes, I was. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, but, but this is different. This is because I don't want to be sued. This is not because I'm afraid to talk about cigars in hey. case somebody gets there. Anyway. Fabian, buddy, friend, pal. If you don't like what I'm saying, go ahead. I would love to be part of the, the cigar cast getting sued by Fabian Ziegler for saying he could turn it off. Please, lay it on me. <laughs> Hit me with your best shot. <laughs> I, I will say, going kind of leaning back on that conspiracy theory a little bit, one of the things that does... So the article you sent me on this was from the Cigar Authority. When I originally read about it, it was on Half Wheel. And... They mentioned very specifically that he's leaving to pursue other interests. And they put that pursue other interest in quotes. Just that piece of the line. That's what really makes me think that this wasn't necessarily a hundred percent voluntary. Yeah, there there could it's it's probably like anything. There's probably a confluence of yeah. circumstances that complete has led speculation to this. on my part, I will freely admit that. Uh, but it just it makes me wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, you're a much bigger Drew Estate fan than I am, but I do, I do like what they do, even if I don't always like how, why they do it or how they do it. Um, it'll be interesting. I'm going to keep an eye on them for the next couple of months and see if there continues to be shakeups internally. Okay, so what's your opinion thus far of the La Polina Family Reserve? It is very good, but by virtue of its age, it's very t- tame. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, it's there's a lot of complexities in it. I get it's full flavored. I get a lot of flavor out of it. I feel like. You know, and this is a debate that I was having with somebody in the shop. At what point is a cigar as good as it's going to get age-wise? Yeah, it's not like wine where you can set it back as a vintage. And because you know, wine will go up and down. It, it's funny, you know, a, a vintage of, you know, 1936 may be the best thing they have on offer this year. But next year it's not anymore. Even And then... You wait four years, and then it's the 36. It, it, it kind of goes through cycles. Cigars don't do that. They do get to a point where they're as good as they're going to get, and then anything over the over that is just uh, an exercise in patience. Depending on the cigar, of course. Is that time between two and four years? Uh, so I have never done an experiment to find out. I have had one of the best cigars I've ever had in my life was six years old. I don't know if it would have been that good a year earlier or a year later. 
I just know that at that point, it's at least as good as I think it's as good as it's going to get. We ought to buy a box and set aside 10 each, smoke one now, smoke one a year from now, two years. Smoke one a year at a time. Yeah, for a decade and figure out when it peaks. Yeah, yeah. We'd have to, you know, because his friend of mine, he'd bought a very expensive box of Padron and he'd had them sitting in his locker here for about two years. And he was like, at what point do I break them open and start smoking them? I said, well, Padrones are great from the get-go. Yeah, I have a hard... Yeah, Padron doesn't strike me as a brand that's going to age well. Not because it's not going to age well, but because it's too good to start from. Right. I don't think you're going to add anything to Padron with age. Now, these being about 11 years old, I'm, I love the flavor. I love the mouth feel of it. Um, I, the, sh- the size, once I get past that mentally, I can enjoy it. See, I'm still not quite there yet. That's the only thing that's holding me back. I love the flavor. Uh, I would like to be getting a little more smoke out of it, and I think that's caused by the size and the torpedo, which is why I don't tend to like torpedo cigars. So as soon as I can get past that, I think I'll enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, but I don't. But because it's such a small cigar, I don't want to go and do another cut to get Right. To open it up more because then that's that's ten percent of the cigar. Right, you're lo- you're losing cigar time. Yeah. Okay, so let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the proposed sale of Altria. Shane here with this week's cigar under eight. I want to talk about the first cigar I broke out of my swag pack when I re- when I got to the Don Pepin distributorship for the cigar bash. Now, is this the first time you'd had one of these? This is. This is the first one I'd had of these, and it's the Hoya de Nicaragua Classico. Um, it was the. It holds the distinction of being the very first premium cigar brand manufactured in Nicaragua. Um, it's a Nicaraguan puro, finest Cuban seed wrapper, binder, filler, and tobaccos harvested from the most fertile regions of the country. I'm reading that verbatim. Yes, sir. Um, it was also known as, the, as uh, Nicaragua's national cigar at one point as well, which is pretty cool. Uh, it rates about a one on out of five on the strength scale, so it's a milder cigar. Well, you know, it was um, it was about ten o'clock in the morning when I lit this up. So perfect opportunity for. So it was kind of perfect. We'd had breakfast at a little pirate bar, and then we went out there, went and I lit this cigar up right as we walked in. And Especially got our since it was nine a.m. for you with the time change. Oh yeah, so wonderful smoke, very um, not too mild but not strong. Definitely a mild to medium blend top. And just a, a great flavor. Just a great cigar to start the morning with. Yeah. A little Cuban coffee, you're in shape, right? Oh, yeah. So try the Hoyo de Nicaragua Classico. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane. Sitting across from the world bare knuckle firefly canching champion Trey Deadman. It's it's been an off year this year, but uh, we're it, hoping for a return to form. Has it been slow? Has it been it's slow it's been a fire? little slow. Is that due to the firefly populations or just the the popularity of the sport waning? <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's a combination of global warming and uh, you know uh, had a rough off season. You know, didn't hit the stick to the training plan. Had to switch coaches. You know, we're just we're just trying to find just trying to find baseline now. Now, do they take points off if you don't poke holes in the jar once you catch them? Is that or or do they have or is there regulation jars? Oh no, the regulation jars. Each uh, official presents standardized jars because there was 
if you remember back in 2016, there was the infamous jar gate right. where my competitor right. was providing his own jars. Very quick hands, Johnson. Uh, yeah. So we don't want a repeat of that. How long you want this to go on? <laughs> I, can, I can go all night. How long you I want can, to go on? I can this? hear us losing <laughs> listeners. <laughs> you can actually hear people turning it off. Yeah, I can. <laughs> okay, well, this is the cigar. Uh, how many fireflies would it take to light a cigar? I mean, how many of them would you have to hold their butts together to light a cigar? <laughs> this is So this is where it's really hard for me because uh, because immediately in my hand I'm going, well, it's, it's not actually fire. It's uh, bioluminescence. And so you couldn't actually, like, I can't even follow along. I have to go super nerd on it. <laughs> That's my own downfall. Oh, man. So, so, such is the... the the width that's and the burden I bear. I mean, it's just that's the role I was meant to play in this life. So it was interesting this weekend when I was at Tampa. The one thing I did notice, so you walk to the Rocky Patel booth, and there was people there. I seen one guy buy nine boxes of Rocky Patels right there, right then. Poor guy. Great, I mean, great deal. They actually had a free, they had a leather bar case. Looked like a briefcase that had a place for your whiskey, glasses, cigars, cutters. I mean, it was beautiful. I considered buying three boxes, even though it'd take me forever to smoke three boxes. I considered right. buying three boxes just, just for, to get it. Yeah, for the case because it was so cool. But um, Rocky's selling boxes going out like hot cakes. And you look over here in CAO, they had their new stuff out. They're turning it out. Altadis, Romeo, and a tumbleweed blew past Nat Sherman's booth. And the guy jumped up and tried to sell it a cigar, but that was it. <laughs> okay, all joking aside, was it legitimately that just dead over there? Oh, yeah. The Nat Sherman booth, people were making a wide circle around it. And all you could tell, people were, you, were shunning Nat Sherman. See, I wonder about that because I know you actively shun them, but you're way more involved in the industry and the hobby than your average cigar consumer. How much of that is because Nat Sherman just doesn't have a presence? And how much of that is because people are actively angry at them? Part of it also was their salesman looked like a broke man. Their salesman was not present. And they not just, just a broken man, but a broke man. Yeah, he had, um, you know, he didn't have, you know, everybody else, like I said, Alejandro was there, Nish was there, um, Rick Rodriguez with CAO was there. Everybody had somebody there that was a really. man. Yeah, somebody there that was really bringing energy to the deal. And Nat Sherman just had a salesman sitting back there looking like he, it was his third day on the job and he was absolutely lost. Oh, man. I almost felt bad enough to stop and talk to him and all, but I knew if I did, I was going to ask, hey, why, why did y'all come out against the premium cigar exemption? Tell me how that works. And you didn't have the microphones. Well, and it's like, it's like, poor guy, he's obviously in bad enough shape because everybody around him is selling out of cigars. You know, I went to the My Father booth, and I said, My Father booth, awesome. I said, need a box of La Promesas. Oh, we've already sold out on Sold out, totally, completely. Didn't like, We thought we brought enough. We didn't bring near enough. I said, well, it's the best cigar y'all ever made. Of course you didn't bring enough. Right. You should have brought nothing else. Yeah. You <laughs> should have just brought a wheelbarrow full of them. But everybody's selling out of cigars and moving, and this poor guy, I, he must have been a new salesman. And because our local Nat Sherman guy quit a couple of days after they came out against the premium right. cigar exemption, but in that vein, yeah. So, so that's kind of the background on on why Nat Sherman is sort of persona non grata. Unless, in case you weren't listening to the show or, or really following, basically uh, about a year ago they came out basically saying that cigars shouldn't be exempt from the FDA regulations and that it should be included 
and basically, basically kind of shot themselves in the foot uh, from an industry standard as also from a sales standard. Well, they, they proved that they were not looking out after their own interests if you look at the cigar side of their business. Now, when you think about the fact that Altria is one of the largest cigarette manufacturers in the country, and then you can kind of see why it makes sense for them to try and spread the burden of taxation among all t- tobacco products to other people who currently don't have the overhead that they do in that arena. So that's kind of where we are now. Uh, what's new this week, just you know, a little bit of background in case you haven't been following it, but new this week is that uh, Altria is on Craigslist. They're look- for sale. Busted old cigar company that nobody wants. Yeah, I was just like, who would buy them? Who yeah. would? Who's gonna? Who would step up and want to try to repair this? I've got to think. I'll tell you what. I would. Why would you? I buy would. Ab- I would absolutely step up because you're going to be able to get it for a song. Because, like you said, people are avoiding Nat Sherman like the plague. Not only um, the the consumers, but also the shop owners. Everyone's avoiding them because of what Altria did. But so so you can get them for a song. Secondly, the press release that got everybody so mad at them didn't have the Nat Sherman logo on the letterhead. It was from Altria. Okay. So you buy this company, you say, that was them, that's not us. You go on a press tour as the president and owner of the, the new president and owner of the company. You go on a whistle stop presidential campaign style tour all over the country and you turn it into good PR. Those idiots that I bought this company from ran this thing into the ground, but we're back. We're one of the oldest companies in the industry. We still care about it. We're for the exemption. That was, that was then. This is now. The Nat Sherman train is rolling through. I think, I think there's tons of opportunity for positive PR to the new owners of this company. But what is a song? I mean... It- why buy something that you're starting out so far in the hole? Because you're, you're starting out deep in the hole. Because as you spoke, very few people have my knowledge of the cigar industry. Very few people have your knowledge of the history of the cigar industry going into that. So you're going to be introducing Timeless and the Metropolitan to people that have never had one before. Oh, I missed another step of this. You release a brand new cigar. And you have to call it something that you, you call it the exemption or you call it so I mean you just I mean ham fisted super obvious but you have to release a new cigar that's innovative collaborative and cheap inexpensive that, that, that's a tough that's a tough one I think but I do think you're right I think you're on the right track you gotta hit that budget Beca- because that's where the industry is right now we had the guys from L or we had Kevin on last week, and we had the guys from Pichardo a few weeks ago. And what's everybody doing right now? They're coming out with a budget stick with San Andreas wrapper and, um, and the collaboration. You've talked about many times on the show before. This is the year, and the past couple of years have been all about the collaboration. So we know it can be done inexpensively. Nat Sherman is kind of known... As a little bit of a stuffy company, anyway, because they've got they own a townhouse in New York City, which is their kind of exclusive club, which is where Giuliani smokes. You can, but yeah, you come out and say, you know what? We're not here with a fourteen dollars cigar anymore. I'm here with an eight dollars cigar, and the whole purpose of this is because we're not who we used to be. 
there's a new sheriff in town. So you got to do a total rebranding, uh-huh. and you got to do a. That's a lot of work, and all. And they burned so many bridges that you have to rebuild. If you're going to rebuild the bridges, why wouldn't you just rebuild the bridge from from fresh? Because there's something about the Nat Sherman brand that you're still going to be. Because the thing is, it's a great brand, and so that it gives you the opportunity to come in and say, it, it, "We took." a legend in the industry and we brought him back from the brink okay I'm, I'm on board you you've got me on the press train i will stand on the back of the caboose with you and holler out to the crowds i'll you know throwing cigars out but, as we go through i think i do think you get a little celebrity in there you try to get you know much like we've talked about the big poppy cigar right. and we talk about the mike ditka cigar and we, i think you kind of have to do that maybe the maybe the colin kaepernick cigar um Oh, wait, that might not help them, would it? <laughs> Probably not very much. But, yeah, but you do raise a very good question as well, which is, what is a song? How much are they going to let it go? For? Like, how, how much of an investment in a damaged product do you have to make? Well, and is Altria so oblivious to the damage they did to Nat Sherman, which would make, they have to be oblivious is the only reason they would release against the premium cigar exemption. Well, they probably are, but their numbers are going to tell the tale. I mean, it, when it comes to mergers and acquisitions, it's all about the numbers. So they're going to look at their sales over the last year and how much, which is why they're trying to fire sale the brand, because they know they killed it. And they're hoping they can sell it before people really catch on and it keeps getting worse. Before it goes all the way down the tube. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm on board with you. I like your thought. I like your energy. I like the energy you have toward it. I'm not a big Nat Sherman fan, but I like your energy. Now, something that does give me energy, the newest entry into the Amazon Basin series from CAO. I am really excited to give this a try. Are you, I'm excited to try to pronounce this. I'm going to go with Oriana. You got it. Did I get it? All right. This o- Oriana, but, I mean, you got it. Yeah. Okay, I'm close enough. So this is the newest, uh, the fourth smoke in the Amazon series, which was released in 2014. The Anaconda, the Fuma Encorda, and, of course, there was the original CAO Amazon base. So this is made with Braganca tobacco which is a, a special treatment of the tobacco where the tobacco is actually twisted in the drying process rather than hung. Right. Um, it's a very cool feel. Um, I loved the Anaconda. The Amazon Basin I liked. The Fuma Corda I did not care for. Uh, that was the same for me. But the Oriano, so when I was at Tampa, I had the chance to buy a box of Orianas. But at you a hadn't deal. had one yet. Right, but, it, but I was sitting there talking to the guy. By the way, folks. Not to complain here, but I'm going to complain for a minute. It's not hard to educate everybody in your booth. If you're going to a cigar festival. Yeah, quick huddle, guys. Let's all get seats right. sitting by each other on the plane, and let's, let's strategize a little right. bit. Hey, hey, you know, hey, Fred, you're going to help me? Okay, great. Let me, let me take 10 minutes and explain to you everything about these cigars. You know, if you need to take notes, that'll be fine. And, and if Fred had reached in his back, I don't think the guy's name wasn't Fred, but if Fred had reached into his back pocket. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. That's right. And pull out a cheat sheet real quick and t- glance down at the cheat sheet and say, oh, okay, the Oriana. So this is going to have this, is this, and this, this, and all. And instead, he looks at the girl next to him and says, hey, what do you know about this cigar? And she says, well, the sales of the Fuma Corda have not been, because I told him, I said, 
I'm scared that I don't like the Fuma and Corda and that this is going to be more Fuma and Corda than Anaconda. Right. And she said, oh, no, the sales of the Fuma and Corda have been bad. Okay, well, that's, that's kind that of That was a, her answer to your premise? That, yeah, that was kind of a non-piece of information. So let's... let's also re- something you don't want to tell. I mean, why would you... What's the upside? Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's the benefit? What's the upside for everybody involved? But anyway... Back to the positive. You remember what I said at the start of a show about being positive. So I do want to correct something you said uh, because I had to go in and look to make sure I was right before I tried to correct you and then end up being the one who was wrong. The Fuma and Corda is the one where they wrap it into ropes and they twist it. The Braganca is the one that they basically form into like a hockey puck or like a, like a brick almost and they shave it off. Do you remember? The, the Braganca tobacco? Yeah. Okay, so, I'll go with that. The Braganca is the one that's in the Am- is in the Anaconda and the Amazon Basin. The Fuma and Corda is the one that's in the Fuma and Corda. Okay. So it's entirely likely that this may be on the better end of that scale of what we like out of that series. It's tightly packed into tubes called carotes. And the leaves are naturally compressed for six months in this fashion. Yeah, so it's more of a... It, it's not the twisted... Which I think... Is it the... Um, What's the Dominican... Anduyo? Uh, Anduyo. I think that one's twisted as well. Uh, Anduyo is buried. Okay. Yeah, Anduyo is actually buried tobacco. Do they and twist it before they bury it? Well, give it last rites. But anyway, moving on. And I'll, so, we have another Churchill going up for sale. This was funny because when you brought this to my attention, I said, hey, haven't we already talked about this? Yeah. So- and apparently... Churchill just left a bunch of half-smoked cigars laying around everywhere. Well, now he was legendary for never smoking a cigar too far. Right. You know, he would smoke about two-thirds of a cigar and throw the rest away. And all this was found on a movie theater, or not a movie theater, a theater floor. And the lady picked it up. Um, I was looking for her name. I don't see her name in the article. Oh, but, yeah. So she picked it up. Violet King. Violet King. And she put it into a plastic case for the cigar. And then, now this is where it gets cool. She called the Churchill Foundation and asked them to authenticate this half-smoked cigar. And they, they didn't ask for nothing. They just agreed to authenticate that this was a Winston Churchill cigar. That, that's pretty cool because that's not something, you know, you couldn't get a Clinton cigar authenticated. True. Well, no, you've got so, and she held this in her possession for more more than fifty years. Um, what I like about it is that she was so she had the forethought to say, "Oh, obviously that's what this is." No, and she and writes a letter and says, "Hey, can you tell me? Did you drop a cigar in the theater?" Yes, I did. And, and, and to to preserve it in, in plastic, and I, I love the idea of the forethought of. I need to authenticate this. Like, early collectors never had that thought for the most part of like, no one's going to believe me. Right. This person had that. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. Well, and like I said, I, my hat's off to the Churchill Foundation that actually said, you know, yes, this is, we are authenticating this cigar for you. The auction is on December 11th. Now, this is what I love. Anticipates a closing tri- price between sixty three forty and seventy six oh nine. Someone's paying <laughs> those actuaries quite a bit of money. 
you know, it's not. They could have just as easily said between sixty three hundred and seventy six hundred dollars. Right. But is it so? Did but they, no. But then if it goes for seventy six oh eight, they were wrong. Sure. But the, the, you know, or is this just a? Did they say okay, this is going to go between four thousand and six thousand pounds, and this just happens to be how it converts out into that's, American dollars? That's my guess. Okay, I, I figure we get to the bottom of that, but. Thought that was very interesting, Churchill and the new cigar. It does make me wonder at what point we'll stop having these. Like every once in a while, you still see someone that finds a you know first edition Picasso behind their cheap print and you know in an old antique frame at an estate sale. You still, how long are we going to continue to find Churchill cigars <laughs> just popping up in auctions? As long as people are willing to buy them. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, as. As long as they're worth six thousand dollars a butt, Churchill, and I'll, and I'll, I'll make everybody a deal right now. Two hundred dollars. You send me two hundred dollars. I'll be happy to send you a butt of any cigar I've smoked. That way, if one day with a letter authenticating it and a photo with of you smoking. That's it. right. I'll authenticate the far out of that dude for you. Two hundred dollars. I'll, I'll sell you all my cigar butts. I'll do it for one fifty. Well, yeah, but you missed the guess on the cigar last week, so obviously your, yours is going to be worth less. <laughs> So one more happy thing tonight before we wrap it up. Um, since we had Kevin on last week, we didn't get to talk about the Tennessee-Alabama game and the cigar tradition that follows that. We talk about this every year. It's always one of my favorite things. Yeah, and if you have been on social media, uh, on Facebook specifically, because I can't get Shane to uplo- upload to Instagram, you saw the, the special edition box of cigars that you brought back from your trip. Well, actually, I had those brought back for me. So I had had a friend mule them back from Alabama, from Tuscaloosa. <laughs> so either way, but anyway, and it, so it was cool because Reagan down there with R and R cigars. If you're ever in Tuscaloosa, go by the cigar mansion at R and R cigars. I've been there. It's beautiful. The setup is great. Um, the humidor is smaller than I thought it would be, but it's very well stocked and organized. Uh, he does a great job down there, and he's always provided the cigars for the Alabama game for the Alabama players. So this year, him and LFD got together, and they created a actual Alabama versus UT cigar. And, all. and actually, it has the elephant on it. The elephant, just so you know, if you look at the picture on Facebook of my box, Reagan himself actually drew that elephant that sits on the top of the box. But the really beautiful box-pressed cigars have a football in the wrapper. Um, Alabama won, as per usual. And they're on the Alabama.com, you can go and see the article, see the pics from Alabama's, Alabama fans sent after. And what percentage of these, they're actually lighting them up in the stands. Is that not a great place? Is it, do we not live in a great country where you can just fire it up in the stand? We do. So, I've got a little challenge for you. Without zooming in on your iPad, just the first picture in the article, what are they smoking? Hold on a second. Let me screw it up. First picture, uh, it looks like a JFR. That is a Perdomo Champagne. Are you sure? I am certain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I zoom in, I can definitely see that's a Perdomo champagne. Which, and I'm scrolling through. This would have been a, a fun little game to prepare for you ahead of time. I'm scrolling through. There's actually a lot of Perdomo champagne, which tells me, because this is the, the kind of the funny thing about the industry. When you walk into a humidor for the first time and say, I know I looked at that. 
That's a that's a rocky edge, right? But you notice it's the, with, still with the footband, even though he's lit the center yeah, of it. It's lit with the footband still yes. on it. That that guy's in for a surprise. Well, here very look, at, look at the way he's smiling. You can tell he's not real versed in this. But anyway, um, carry anyway, on. Anyway, so when someone comes into the humidor and they say, "I've never smoked a cigar, but X Y Z, I need to buy a cigar." Everyone I've ever known. It, granted, this is somewhat regional to you know Georgia and Tennessee. Everybody you talk to who works in a shop, and myself included, Perdoma Champagne. That's where. You, so it is funny to me to see that. Uh, scrolling through the list, by and large, the Perdomo Champagne is the most common cigar I'm seeing. Okay, this one still has the cellophane and the barcode on it that he's it holding. Does. Come they, on, people. They both do. They just bought them to hold them for the picture. Undoubtedly, they did. I mean, come on, commit, light it up, fire it up, you know. And and the one guy in here that had the little machine-made cigar, he's out. I'm tossing yes. him out of the stadium on his ear. Yes, but I like that they posted three photos in the row of one of him lighting it, one of him taking the first drag, and then this just like really mischievous look on his face. This is terrible podcast, by the way. <laughs> this, this is, but anyway, it's joy. It's the unbridled joy of at the end of a college football game. It happens around here. One of our guys here is a big Alabama fan. And Another Perdomo Champagne. Yeah, at the Alec end of the Bradley game. Max. Yeah, see, that one's very good. And by the way, can we just go ahead and make this a national cigar cast standard? If you take a picture with a cigar, put the label out. Right. Just just go label out. Just like when they have, you know, on wrestling, when they have their drinks, they put it facing out. The, right. the Mountain Dew label is facing out. There's a Fuente. It's amazing how many of these you can actually identify from the rapper as you which, go which through. I mentioned a few weeks ago is my superpower. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're you're hitting about 100% on that. But very cool. Well, Trey, how do they get a hold of us to tell us how terrible this particular segment of the podcast was? <laughs> I blame you. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, you can get a hold of us uh, via email at info at thecigarcast.com. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. So we got to pronounce judgment on the La Polina family series. Did I fall for the gimmick, or is the cigar worth? I've got about 13 bucks a stick. That's, see, this one is really tough because I haven't quite gotten over the, the Vitola yet. And I just don't know if I can get there in the last inch of this cigar. I want to so desperately because it is a phenomenal cigar. If it were a Toro... Or even a Robusto, I have no doubt it'd be a seven. Yeah, it's, it's the blend is perfect. The blend and the age is absolutely spot on perfect. Smooth as silk. I've not hit a harsh spot yet. I've not had a single moment where I felt it, you know, where it where it kicked up on me. It's right. just smooth as silk. Um, I've, I mean, I really really like it, but I'm I'm partial because I've got such a story behind it. Yeah. You know, it's hard for me to make an impartial a judgment on this. I would feel guilty putting a seven on this cigar because of the fact that I have such great provenance behind it. True, but as we've said many times before, sometimes the experience is what makes the cigar. You know, a, a brick house can be a seven in the right scenario. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, obviously you've smoked. This is not your first one of these. This is only my second one. Yeah, so, you know, you're more qualified to make an overreaching... Uh, I mean, it's it's a seven. It's got everything that I want in a cigar except for the Vitola. Yeah, and like I said, if it weren't for the Vitola, it would be a seven for me. 
So I'm going to give it a 6.9. Okay. I, we can agree on a 6.9 out of this cigar because I, I do like the richness. Are you getting that richness of the flavor? I am. I'm getting, I'm also getting just unobtrusiveness. You know, we, we talk a lot about people that smoke strong for strong sake and how there was a time in my life where I was that person. So often, I still like full-bodied cigars, even though I'm kind of in the medium to full range more often these days. But I like, but so often cigars really hit you in the face with their flavor and with the strength and with the body. This one is just so unassuming. It's just, it's just there. And it's, it, it's gonna give you whatever you want out of it. It's not imposing a whole lot of strength. It's got tons of flavor. Yes, I realize I'm anthropomorphizing my cigar, uh, but it just, I, I really do enjoy it. We may have set a record for long words used in a single description of a cigar. It's possible. <laughs> and I'll, okay. Well, anyway, thanks for listening. And until <laughs> I just showed Trey the most Alabama picture of a man smoking a cigar in history. <laughs> Four teeth and he's... It, is that his sister? <laughs> he, he literally don't have to close his mouth to smoke that cigar. That's what's hilarious. I mean, that, but go to go to Alabama.com and look at some of these pictures. They're hilarious. AL.com. Yeah, and I and I love Alabama. I love going down there. I love spending time there, and it's just absolutely hilarious watching this. So, thank you all for listening. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Yeah.